What is going on, Cheat Code Sports Fantasy Football Podcast listeners? You got K-Love, you got Stevie P. We're coming at you with another two-a-day podcast. What's going on, Steve? What's going on, kid? What's happening, y'all? What's going on, everyone? Thank you, Steve, for holding it down while I was on vacation. Kind of went back to my childhood days, riding rides with my kids and spending whole days on the beach, getting sunburnt and, you know, old school, old school life. Yeah, awesome. I'm glad you had a good time, man. Yeah, it was it was fun. Um, I haven't really taken a vacation in probably I mean, I went to, you know, Wildwood, Jersey Beach like last year for like three days. But to go away for like five days, I probably haven't done that in 10, 15 years because just my job has me like not had me nonstop working all the time. So it was mm-hmm. good to get away and just, man, felt good. I hear that. But I'm happy to be back. Um, so today we are going to get into the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, so let's start it with the Houston situation. Obviously, their quarterback is Deshaun Watson for now. Uh, he is being drafted. Eagles quarterback. That's what some people <laughs> seem to think. Uh, he is being picked, drafted with pick eight in the eleventh round right now. Obviously, that's it's, he's the sixteenth quarterback, one thirty-one overall. That's obviously due to the unknown of what's coming. Um, if he winds up in Philly, I do think he goes hops up probably into like the sixth round. You know, if we wind if I mean, there is this the also the suspension that could possibly be coming, which affects everything as well. But, you know, uh, to me, Deshaun Watson's just. He's one of those elite quarterbacks that, that a franchise should go all in for. So, I mean, this is his situation just shows how terrible the Houston Texans franchise really is, you know, with, with especially coming off what happened with DeAndre Hopkins. Now, you know, they don't bring back Will Fuller either. Um, you know, another. So basically, there's two wide receivers that he spent his career getting you know, acclimated with. They just let them both walk or well, like, trade Hopkins. They let Fuller walk. And I know Fuller couldn't stay healthy and got suspended and blah, blah, blah. But you're basically giving this guy, like, he's he's getting acclimated with guys. Now he's got to get acclimated with new receivers. And it's just not a good situation for his career. I mean, he wants he wants stability. And this the, the Houston franchise is not providing it. Yeah, Houston is since basically the dawn of the Houston Texans. They have... Put players in terrible situations to win football games, right? Like, you think about uh, David Carr, right? David Carr, as much as people hated on that dude, he was awesome coming out of college. And had he not been put behind such a terrible offensive line as a rookie and just get battered, like, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback battered the way – David Carr was those first couple years with the Texans. Like they literally put him in front of this makeshift offensive line. And that dude just got pummeled. Like, I think it was, I want to say in the three year stretch, he had gotten hit more than any quarterback in NFL history in a three year stretch. He definitely did. You know what I mean? It was, that dude was literally just a sack well, bag back there. They, they drafted him in their expansion year. Yep. And it's like that, that that to me is just terrible for a for a quarterback because yep. When you're in an expansion year, you're getting everybody's basically everybody's shit that they're just discarding of and you have a makeshift offensive line that you're trying to put this guy behind. It was like you said, they it was a terrible situation that they put that guy in. Yep, and and you know, that's the beginning of their franchise. Then, you know, they have Andre Johnson. And what did they do with Andre Johnson? They Jason just wasted that fucking guy's whole career. That dude could have been so like he was very good. He was one of the best wide receivers in football through his his tenure with the Texans. And had they just been like, you know what, let's get some pieces and send this dude to a winning team, he'd probably be even better than he was. You know what I mean? That he ended up his career being. Or if they had said, "Look, we're gonna, we're gonna let's let's not give Matt Schaub the football," and because like, mm-hmm. you got to remember, they also had Arian Foster at the time too, yep. who was very very good running back. Yep. Um, and both of those guys kind of wasted or were wasted away because they were like Matt Schaub wasn't beating Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. No, he literally just this team has just been a 
fucking dumpster fire since it's come into the league. And I'll tell you what, like, you know, for I know Coach Craig, who was a, a you know, one of our, you know, friends that comes on the show. He, you know, does his own thing, but he's he comes on the show and we talk and he's I mean, it's a good dude. But I know he's a Houston Texans fan, and I know at this point he's got to be like, "What the fuck? Like, it, this is—it's not getting any better. It's getting worse. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you have—you finally have a very, very good quarterback, like one that everybody can see it from the day this dude got drafted that he was going to be awesome, and he was from day one. Right? Had he not had that injury, he'd have been literally awesome since day one, and they just fucked it all up, like. Nope. Terrible. You give him a shitty offensive line. You give him, you know, really good weapons to throw to, but never had a run game since he's been there. You know, never's had like a, a good tight end to try to, you know, get things going. And the offensive line fucking's terrible. And his defense has been fucking terrible since he's been there. Like mm-hmm. they had that one year where JJ Watt was being, you know, pretty good, but other than that, like they didn't have anybody the fuck else on the team. The team has been terrible for years. So, you know, I agree. I, I like. I'm so frustrated with how it's going to end with the Texans, but until they just clean house, like ownership and everything, that whole, that whole office needs to go. Like, obviously the ownership ain't going nowhere, but you know, that bad owner, bad team. That's just the way it is. Like that is just the way it is. It sucks. Yep. 100% 100% agree. Um, you know, even J.J. Watt, like, I, I think they held on to J.J. Watt a little too long, mm-hmm. paying him the amount of money they were paying him. And I know he's, you know, everybody in Houston loves J.J. Watt, but he was kind of hamstringing him with his contract over the last, you know, four years or so because he really was hasn't really been that good. Yeah, well, he got uh, hurt with been, the back injury. Hurt. Yeah, he got hurt with yeah, the back injury. Yeah, he's been hurt. And it just ended up snowballing into now he's just, you know, he's – I don't want to say he's a shell of himself because actually last year he was pretty good. But yeah, he was pretty good actually. If you look at his, if you look at his statistically, he was pretty good last year. But and he saw the yeah, most double teams in the NFL. Yep. So, any first off, uh, where where do you think Watson winds up? I think from everything we're hearing. Yeah, I think, I think that's what we've been hearing. Um, I, I don't know what the package would look like with him going to Philly. I mean. I don't know if they keep Jalen Hurts at that point or, you know, I don't I, yeah, I, I don't think, know. Yeah. I think if they get him, they're going to have to throw in Hurts. This is the thing, though. I think the Eagles are waiting. The reason they're waiting is because they want to see how long the suspension is or yep. if there's going to be a suspension. Because if there's a suspension that's like, let's say, eight games, I don't think they can trade Hurts, you know, Hurts. Yeah. Because – now you're leaving yourself in a terrible quarterback situation, right? Like, you, you mm-hmm. know you're going to miss this guy for eight weeks. Like, this is a team that with – And Houston will probably be getting your number one pick next year. Exactly. So, on top of that, you're basically giving Houston a top five pick if if Watson's not going to be there for eight exactly. weeks and you have to roll with Joe Flacco or Nick Mullins. Exactly. And don't get me wrong, like – Joe Flacco at one point in his career could have held that together for let's say the eight games and maybe won half of those, maybe wins five games. But at this point in his career, these weapons like, no, this, that's not happening. They're not going to win. They're not going to win that many games. So the Eagles have to recognize that. So I think that's why they're waiting. Cause if they knew it was only going to be like a four game suspension, I think this deal's already done. I think they finished this a oh, month yeah. ago. You know what I mean? So I, they're just waiting for to figure out what's going on. Yeah, he's definitely coming to Philly. I mean, you know, and I say coming to Philly because I live in the area, but he, um, he basically how all that started. Adam Schefter was on the radio here, said that, you know, the Eagles are in prime position to trade for him. They have all these assets. They have three first round, well, two first round picks, possibly three next year, depending on Carson Wentz. Um, and if he plays, uh, 70% of the games for Indy, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, they also, you know, are in need of a quarterback. Then today, Howard Eskin, who is a local radio voice, very closely associated with the Eagles, comes out and says he thinks there's a 90 percent chance that the Eagles trade for Deshaun Watson. So that's where all this is coming from. Uh, until that happens, you know, like I said, nothing's really going to happen, but it will be fun seeing Deshaun Watson throw to Devontae Smith. Um, I think that's that'll be a combination for years going forward 
Um, so right now, Tyrod would probably be the starter if Deshaun doesn't play. Um, probably just a two quarterback league guy. I, I don't think you're you're drafting Desha- uh, Tyrod Taylor in any any leagues that um, you know any any redraft leagues. That, you know he might get you some rushing. He might actually pref- be a good pickup on the waiver wire for a bye week. You know what I mean? Because he may run for forty or fifty yards uh, a week. But overall, you're not gonna you're not gonna gonna reach to pick up Tyrod Taylor. Nope. So now let's move on to the running backs. Um, you have David Johnson being drafted in the seventh round, pick eleven, thirty uh, fifth running back off the board, eighty fourth overall. I don't know how I feel about this, and the reason why obviously is because. He has a crowded backfield. Okay, they they added, you know, they added Lindsey, who we'll get into. They added added Mark Ingram, who we'll get into. They added Rex Burkhead, who probably won't even be relevant for the the backfield situation. He'd probably be more of a special teamer. But you know, last year David Johnson was the twenty fifth overall running back in fantasy in PPR leagues. Um. Every week he played, he finished as a top 24 running back. So getting him as RB35, if he didn't have all this competition around him, would probably be great. And a lot of people weren't happy with David Johnson because they were drafting him in the third round last year. And probably what many people didn't think he was worth a third round pick. But getting him this late, especially like you go zero RB or you go modified zero RB and you pick up David Johnson late, that could be a good start to your draft. So I think, I think in that scenario, I really, really love David Johnson. Yeah, I'm looking at actually. I'm looking at it here. It says uh, running back 21. He was actually running back 21. He scored 100, last year. Yeah, 179.5 okay. fantasy points. He was right above Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He actually outscored Clyde Edwards Hilaire last year, and he played one fewer game. He played 12 games last year. He averaged 15 fantasy points per game. On a points-per-game basis, if you look at just his specifically points per game, he was he was running back 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. He was running back 16 on a points-per-game basis. So he was a solid RB2. Um and a lot of people. I mean, I think you, you can't be mad at that if you drafted no. him. Like, I know you had him in our league last year, mm-hmm. and there was times you hated him. Yeah. But now, if you look at it, it's like, how can you really be mad at it? You know, finishing 16, and he probably was around the 16th overall running back taken last year, somewhere around that area. So, yeah, he he. You know what was maddening last year? He had that one really good week one, and then he had like a four game stretch where he was mm-hmm. bad. And then yeah. he started playing good again. And then at the end of the season, he had like, I want to say it was maybe like the last two or three weeks of the season, he had some pretty big weeks. And uh, he, he also he also was hurt in between there too. So yeah, it was, yeah he missed you know. four games in the middle of the season. So, you know, I, a lot of people are saying they don't want to touch David Johnson, but honestly, he's the only running back in this backfield that I would touch. Be, because like I said, you know, Philip Lindsay – He's been getting the moniker of like this passing down guy. He's not a passing down no, running back. No, he's not. And people that, keep saying it like he's a because of his size. Back. Yeah, he's a scat because back. of his size. He's not a scat back. He's never been a scat back. Like. No, he's never been. He's never been a good a receiving threat out of no. the backfield. I, think, I do. I remember one play where he took a screen like seventy five yards in his in, you know rookie year. Mm-hmm. But overall, he's not like they were bringing in Royce Freeman in his rookie year to do the passing work. Last year, Melvin Gordon handled all the passing downs. Yep. Like Philip Lindsay's strictly a running back. Yep, and you know I he does bust off big runs every once in a while and stuff and that kind of stuff, but. You know, he to me he's never been. You know, Philip Lindsay is is had other than his rookie year and maybe his second year, but his second year he did get hurt too. But other than his rookie year, he had a big season, and then his second year he had an okay season. But other than that, he's not really been fantastic. You know what I mean? People talk about him like he's been this amazing running back. He just I don't 
I don't I don't know. Like I I don't want to anything to do with really any of these guys. I mean, I I would take David Johnson just because I know out of all the guys he's the best pass catcher and this team's going to be on down a lot of points. You know what I mean, Tyrod Taylor, the biggest problem with him, he doesn't really throw to the running back, but who the fuck else is there to throw to on this team? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like there ain't nobody else to throw to. So David Johnson could demand you know, he could be a guy that gets up in the 60-70 target range easily because there ain't nobody else to throw the ball to on this team. Like, you know, you've got to move the ball somehow. And David David Johnson might be a sneaky, you know, RB2 next year, be, and people are just not taking him there at all. Yep, I, I agree. Like I said, you know, I, I really don't know how to feel at times because of the Philip Lindsay pickup, and I don't know how much they're going to – I don't know how much that's going to be a, a, a committee backfield. They also have Mark Ingram. Um, right now, Burkhead. Lindsay's being drafted. Huh? Rex Burkhead. Uh, Burkhead, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay's being drafted in the 11th round. Ingram in the 14th round. Uh, Lindsay's 49th running backs. Ingram is the 60th running back. Lindsay is 129 overall. Ingram is 174 overall. Uh, you know... <sighs> I do like Philip Lindsay's value there just as a guy. Cause like David Johnson has had an injury history. So let's throw that out there. And I do believe that Lindsay is the best of the rest of the running backs. Okay. I don't even think that's close. Like Ingram's past his prime and Burkhead is Burkhead's more of a special teamer. I think at this point in his career, especially after last year when he tore his ACL. So, yeah. You know, I do like the value of Lindsey in the 11th round as a guy who could possibly take over that job if Johnson goes down, a guy who could, um, you know, may see some work here and there if they go backfield by committee. I mean, the only issue with that is how often they're going to be able to run the football when they're just not a good football team. So, mm-hmm. but I do think Lindsey is a good value there. I mean, me and you I, I have been, uh, you know, kind of on opposite sides of that um, since the beginning of our you know, podcast season, uh, you know, but I, to me, I think both of these guys are, are worth a pick um, just because nobody thinks they're going to do anything. And granted, seventh round, you know, the, the team is probably going to be bad, but seventh and 11th round for these guys, I don't think is terrible value because Johnson could, like Steve said, turn around to be an RB2 and Philip Lindsay could be as well if Johnson goes down. And, and Lindsay's kind of one of those guys you kind of, are, you know, th- in that area where you'll be looking to draft somebody else's, you know, um, you know, backup or handcuff or whatever you might want to say if you go with a strategy where you need a little bit more running back depth. So, you know, that that's kind of where I love Lindsay and Johnson. It is, you know, if I'm heavy, if I wind up going heavy wide receivers and I got my my tight end early and I'm, you know, needing running back, which typically isn't my case in a lot of my mock drafts. I tend to get a little running back early because I feel like at this area, there's not a lot. Like if you're waiting on David Johnson at this point, there's maybe two or three running backs. I feel comfortable even taking at this point. Like I've said, Fournette is one of them. Mostert doesn't really get to this point very often, but I wouldn't mind him. But you know, the Buffalo guys, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, basically, if you're if you're waiting till this point to grab running back, you're really you really got to grab as much depth as you can get. Yep, I agree. So I'm not really touching Mark Ingram with a ten foot pole. No, I don't think we need to get into that. Why he's being drafted at all? No, I mean he was terrible last year. Couldn't even get on the field in in Baltimore, and you know he's 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 being drafted in the fourteenth round, like. I, take somebody else. Anyone <laughs> take, else. Take, Anyone take, else. Take, take Terrence Marshall. Take, yeah. take Jalen Rick. Nico Collins on the Camp. same team. Nico Collins. Yeah, we'll talk about Nico Collins too. Like, get, get somebody that could possibly, Do you know, have a breakout season or rejuvenate themselves. For real. All right. And Rex Perkhead is not being drafted. Like I said, he's probably just a special team or any, you know. So moving on to the wide receivers, uh, Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks, to me, I think we're both in agreement. He's a guy we both want with his value. Uh, you know, Steve has said before, you're getting a, a, a wide receiver one for a team this late in the draft. That's always enticing. Um, and 
Cooks has always just been a very good receiver. Like straight up, like Cooks Cooks has performed very well in in any kind of situation where he's remained healthy. So getting him this late in the draft, pick eight in round nine, um, you know that's that's really good value, and he's going to have a lot of targets because, like Steve said, they have nobody to throw the ball to, and they're going to be down a lot. Yep. Last year, Brandon Cooks was wide receiver seventeen. Like, and I know that's with Deshaun Watson. I get it, but we got to remember, like, this team is going to be losing a lot. Like. Uh, this is a team that I would be surprised if they won more than two games. Like this is the team that could go zero and seventeen. Let's gonna be the first team in history to go zero and seventeen. So let's be honest here. Who else is going to catch the ball? Like if they get if this is a team that's going to be down two touchdowns, basically on on a regular basis, right? Just look at their division. Like, this team is going to go up against Indy twice. This team's going to go up against a Jacksonville team that's getting better twice. They're going up against Tennessee, who have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown twice. Like, and Derrick Henry. This is this is a division that could probably smash this team. So, just those, four, just those six games, you're probably talking double-digit leads for those teams. So, guess what? Like, if that's the case, then Brandon Cooks is going to be getting a shit ton of targets. You know what I mean? Like, all day long. So, I'm all about it. Like, in the ninth round, give me a guy who's going to see 140-plus targets. That's like, I don't see how he sees less than that. So, you know, I'm getting him in the ninth? Okay, sign me up for that all day long. Yep, all day long and twice on Sunday. Um uh, so the other receivers, we talked about Nico Collins um, a little bit. Just to, you brought him up a couple minutes ago. Um, Nico Collins is a rookie drafted. What round was he drafted in? Was it the third or third round? Third round. Um, you know, basically a big guy. Uh, possibly, probably the the wide receiver two on the outside. I know. I looked it up. They got a couple other guys. I think they have. Um, uh man, I just lost his name. It was uh Chris Conley. They have Chris Conley. That's who it is. Yep. Um, and they have a, they had somebody else who I recognized. Dante uh, Moncrief. Yeah. Uh, Chris Moore. Isaiah Coulter. Uh, Tawan Taylor. Tawan Taylor is the one who I recognized. But um, so yeah, that would probably be the better scenario, like in the late rounds to draft, you know, than Mark Ingram because. You don't know how this guy's going to perform when he gets out there. You're going to have to throw the ball a lot. We just talked about that with with Cooks. And if this guy is able to see 90 targets, you know, rookies really don't see 100 targets in their rookie year. That doesn't really happen very often. But this dude could see 85, 90 targets. And as, you know, it could be worth a shot. Like, as a guy getting that, you're getting him in the 14th round, and he's going to get 90 targets, like, he could wind up being a flex option here and there. So yep. definitely somebody on, on my radar. Yeah, and it's funny because I've listened to other podcasts and they're like, you know, definitely, you know, go with Brandon Cooks and nobody else. But we got to remember, like, they have Randall Cobb on this team. That's another guy that yep. they have on this team. Randall <laughs> Cobb is old as shit. Like, if this is a rebuilding team, which they obviously are if they're going to trade Deshaun Watson, right? If this is a rebuilding team, they drafted Brevin Jordan in the fifth round. They drafted Nico Collins in the third round. These are guys that are both over 6'3", I believe. Actually, I think Nico is 6'4". I know Brevin Jordan's at least 6'3". Uh, these are two huge dudes. You got Brandon Cooks who can move into the slot. You know what I mean? Brandon Cooks can move really all over the field. You can play him anywhere. Like, what's to say that Nico Collins and Brevin Jordan don't get a chance this year and both of them see, you know, a bunch of targets because this team's going to have to throw 550-plus times. So to me, that's it's not out of the range of possibility that you know both these guys could be you know heavily targeted. Brevin Jordan probably gonna have to work up to it. Nico Collins, I think, is a little bit more ready to go now. You know, I know, and I know he gets the the you know Jim Harbaugh uh, kicking the dick because you know he Michigan just was a horrible passing team, and they've always been since Jim has been there. But you know, Nico, everybody said it like he this dude looks crazy like he looks like he could be very very good he's six foot four 218 i just looked it up he's six foot four 218 big dude 
So, you know, if this dude gets 90 targets this year, shit. I don't think this team is going to score a whole lot of touchdowns, but who's to say this kid can't get score five touchdowns? You know, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. He gets Not five, yeah, he gets five touchdowns, and let's say, you know, a, gets six hundred yards, yeah, six seven hundred yards with sixty catches. Like, uh, hey, you're getting him for nothing. So, you know, definitely a name to think of. Yep. Some other names, like Steve said, Randall Cobb, uh, Kiki QT is still there. Uh, Brevin Jordan, oh, he said, uh, you know, bunch of names here. Not really anybody that you're drafting at this point, you know, just people to keep on your radar. Um, Fells, uh, tight end position, you have Darren Fells, Jordan Akins. Neither one of those guys are being drafted. They kind of cut into into each other's production last year. Actually, so, Darren Fells got uh, – he left the team in free agency. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just it's just Jordan just Aikens. Aikens. Okay, so just Aikens. Mm-hmm. Um, Aikens is not being drafted, but honestly, that's one to keep an eye on because I actually think Jordan Aikens is very, very talented. I just thought that he was kind of held back by Darren Fells because Fells was getting all the red zone work. Aikens was moving the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. Fells was scored the touchdowns, but uh, I did not know that. So, you know, Darren um, – Jordan Akins is definitely somebody you want to keep an eye on this year. Uh, he's not being drafted, but he's definitely somebody that could wind up getting picked up um, if you know this team winds up. You know, if guys are looking for tight ends. Yep, he could be the third target, but the most targeted player on the team. So, you yep. know, six foot four, two hundred fifty pounds. Hey, why not? Yep. All right, guys. So we are going to. Oh, you want to talk about the line and the defense? <laughs> Uh, they're both bad. They're both well, yeah, they're both bad. They're not. Well, I'm not even going to get into. That. There's no point. Like you know, literally on the offensive line, literally the only player that's any good is is uh, Laramie Tunzel. That's it. That's all they got. That's all they got. And then on the defense, <laughs> the, yeah. the defense. I, oh man, it's bad. I, this is not a good defense. Let's just leave it at that. Yeah. Neither this defense will not be selected or or picked up in any. Um, fantasy seasons this year, dude. dude um, I, I just gotta read this. I just gotta read this stat because I was looking at it actually. You know, when you texted me that we were doing Houston and Indy today, I I thought to myself, I want to see what the hell this defense looks like, right? So I looked at it and I wanted to pull up like PFF rankings of all the players. Mm-hmm. They don't have a player that's in like the top twenty of any position on defense. None. Not one, so it's 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 bad. This team is this team is bad. All right, so moving forward with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, quarterback is the newly traded for Carson Wentz. Uh, he is being drafted round twelve, pick twelve, eighteenth quarterback off the board, one fifty one overall. I think after last season, that's probably the right spot for him. You know, he's going to have to earn a lot of people's trust back. Uh, I think he's in a great situation. So there's not much more I can say. Like, I I think if you wait on quarterback, I don't think Carson's a bad shot to take. If you want to team up, you know, team him up with somebody, you know, you wait till the very end of your draft and you grab Carson Wentz and Ben Roethlisberger and take a shot like that. Maybe that, you know, maybe that gets you somewhere. Um, so yeah, I mean, outside of that, I, I, you know, I don't really have much to say. I, I just, I'm more interested in seeing how Carson uh, performs with the Colts this year with Frank Reich, better system, a little bit more derived towards. I don't want to say making him a game manager, but the run game will be used a lot more and take a lot of pressure off him. He has one of the best offensive lines in football, so you know, to me, I think that that. It just gives him a, you know, bodes well for him going into this year. And I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how, if he can rebound from last season. Yep. So this is my thing. Like before last season, you know, where he had a 57.4% completion percentage. He threw 15 interceptions to only 16 touchdowns. Um, He was terrible last year. There's no other way to say it. The dude was really, 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 really bad. But I have to say this. Like, he was so epically bad last year. 
like something had to have been going on. Like I, I don't want to say he was hurt because they, you know, there's nothing coming out saying that he was hurt. Uh, there's nothing coming out saying that, you know, really anything was different other than they brought in, you know, the rookie quarterback that a lot of people are saying messed with his psyche. But if you look at his numbers, throughout his tenure with the Eagles, right in 2017 they win the Super Bowl. Right, he was a MVP candidate. Right, he plays. 13 games, he loses two of those games. He throws for 3,296 yards, 33 touchdowns, and seven interceptions, right? That's good as shit. I don't care who you are. That's a really mm-hmm. good season. especially only, 13 games. And only 13 games, right? So he probably finishes close to 40 touchdowns in that season, maybe close to 10 interceptions, and closer to 4,000 yards, right? That's an awesome season. I mean, And he added another, what is it? almost 300 yards rushing. So, you know, that's a damn good season. The very next year, he throws for a 69.6% completion percentage, which that's fucking stupid. Yeah, he he was, he was, in that season though, he was very Ertz reliant. Like he was checking down his Zach Ertz a lot. Ertz led the, had the most catches in NFL history for a tight end that year. So he was, he was kind of relying on Zach Ertz. So I think that played into that percentage very, you know, a lot. Yeah. And he only played 11 games in that season. He had 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So back to back Mm -hmm. seven interception seasons. Then in 2019, uh, the team went nine and seven. He played all 16 games. He started all 16 games. He threw for 4,039 yards, 27 touchdowns, and again, seven interceptions. So three straight seasons of seven interception seasons, right? And then last year, 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions with a horrible offensive line because they all got hurt. No receivers. No receivers. No tight ends. Yeah, because they were all fucking dead. Literally, they lined up a firing squad and shot every wide receiver on the Eagles and left just the terrible ones left because everybody was hurt all year long. Travis Fogelman turned (laughs) into a thing because, like, nobody – like he turned into a thing because everybody was like, hold on, like, there is nobody to throw to. Wentz just found him two weeks, three weeks in a row, and this guy turned into a real thing. And no – I. You, I am one of the biggest Eagle fans you'll ever meet in your life. You could have asked me who Travis, Travis Fogelman won, was last year before the season. I wouldn't have known who the hell. You could have asked him before the games where he broke out who he was, and I wouldn't have known who the hell he was. Bro, I didn't even know who he from, was. Because they, they signed him from the Lions practice Lions. squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he, he's, they signed, think about that. They signed him from the fucking Lions uh, practice yeah. squad, <laughs> and he comes out and winds up like you just don't even think about that. I mean, it's yeah, you know this is who this guy was throwing to. I mean, Jalen Rager was hurt a lot most of the year. Just yep. Deshaun Jackson hurt. Yep. Um, Alshon Jeffrey hurt. Yep. You know, he's, he, this Goddard was his top three Ertz wide receivers. Goddard got hurt for a lot of the year. Yep. Ertz, yep. Ertz was out most of the year and wasn't himself when he played. Yep. Miles Sanders missed time last year. Yep. Like. And then you had Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks both get hurt. Your left tackle situation, you had no idea what was going on. You had Jason Peters still in and out. Like, it was, it it was, it was, and, and this whole thing got blamed on Carson Wentz being bad. Granted, there was definitely situations where he missed throws, did not make good reads, missed wide open receivers. I get it. That being said, he was under constant pressure. He had no running game behind him. His coach never called any running plays. And, like, he was basically, like, fed to the wolves out there. Like, we talked about David Carr and what he went through in his rookie year. That was what Carson Wentz was going through last year because he had nobody blocking and he had nobody to throw the ball to. He was yep. basically throw, playing for an expansion team on offense last year. Legit. Miles Sanders played 11 games last year. Oh, let me see here. So, okay, so Miles Sanders played 11. Jalen Rager played 11. Greg Ward played all 16. Ward was out there all, all season. All 16. Uh, but let me if see. Greg Ward is your most reliable receiver, you have a fucking problem. Yeah, that is a serious problem. Deshaun Jackson played five games. 
Uh, let me see. Dallas Goddard played 11 games, uh, but he actually only started nine, which means he was but, probably hurt for those other two games. But you also have to remember a lot of those games that these guys are playing were at the end of the season when Jalen Hurts was in there. Yep. So last last four weeks, Jalen Hurts. So I know Deshaun played one of his games was against, you know, I think the Giants. Or no, the Giants when he got hurt. He came back for one game at the end of the season because Hurts threw him a, yeah. you know, a long touchdown pass. Yep. Uh, I know Goddard was, came back at the last four games of the season. So a lot of these games that they – four of these games – Mm-hmm. Most of these guys were were playing with hurts. Yeah. So like, for out of twelve games, these guys might have played six or seven games. Yep. And that's the thing. I mean, you got all these like all these missed games. Zach Ertz played eleven or only played eleven. Uh, you know, it's just crazy. Like uh, like their basically only receiver that played all sixteen was Greg Ward. All of them missed at least five games. Like every single one of them missed at least five games, which is crazy. You know, I mean, Travis Fulgham, he, he played in 13 games, but only started eight. So, you know, it, I'm going to give him – I'm not going to give him an ultimate pass because, like Kev said, he was overthrowing guys. He was underthrowing guys. He looked – he didn't look good last year. But the dude was under serious duress, like, all season long. And, hey, this dude said it best. What's his name? Um – Oh my God! What is his name? From over in the Panthers, the new Panthers quarterback's gonna piss me off. Um, Sam. Sam Darnold. Yep. Sam Darnold said it the best. I'm seeing ghost. When you start seeing linebackers and linemen yeah. coming at you all day long, guess what? You start seeing ghosts. You start trying to get rid mm-hmm. of the ball. You start making bad throws. It is what it is. Like, and Carson Wentz. The one thing I will give him 100% props for. I was listening to the. Oh man, who's the the old kicker from the the old punter from the. Indianapolis Colts. He has a podcast now. What the hell? Oh, uh, yeah. He, um, He's hilarious, dude. He cracks yeah, me up. Uh, Pat shoot. McAfee. Pat McAfee. Pat yeah. McAfee. He cracks me up. He's a funny. If you guys listen to, if you obviously well, you guys he went right at him. You, Carson went <laughs> right at him. He did. I, I mean, if you if you listen to the podcast, if you obviously you guys listen to podcasts because you're listening to our podcast. If you want to catch another podcast that's actually really funny and has a lot of like funny people on it and a lot of like sports guys and football players and fights fighters ufc fighters they have all kinds of shit on that show but the pat mcafee show is fucking hilarious it is hilarious but he was on that show carson Wentz was on that show and he told us straight up he was like listen i had a terrible season last year i was bad i was very bad he's like but that's not that's not been me my whole career that's not been me you know that that doesn't represent me that last season was just a bad season. He's like the whole, our whole team played bad. And he's like, I'm the quarterback. I have to play better. But in the same breath, like I hear what he's saying. Like, how could you play better with nobody there? There's nobody there to play with you. Like it's hard to be better when your whole fucking team is dead. Like it's terrible. Yep. All, All right. right. So this is where I'm, this is going to be the interesting one. I'm, I'm cause I know you have said you're not as high on Taylor. Um, so moving on to running back, Jonathan Taylor is the eighth running back off the board. Pick eight in the, in the first round. So give me your thoughts on Taylor because I have mine. Yeah, I'm not taking Jonathan Taylor in the first round. I the more I look at it, I would start right like, okay, so he's going. You said what? Pick nine. Pick eight. Pick eight. Yeah, like I'm just okay. So I'm just looking at it. Right from this perspective, uh, okay. So I just brought it up, right? So he's pick eight. Now the guys going behind him is Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Austin Eckler, uh, Stephon Diggs, Aaron Jones, the uh, Devonte Adams. Obviously, Cam Akers is, won't be there anymore. No. Um, but every one of those guys that I just named, other than Cam Akers, I would take ahead of Jonathan Taylor. I would take Travis Kelsey ahead of him. I would take Tyreek Hill ahead of him. I would take Austin Eckler ahead of him. I would take Devontae, Di- I mean, uh, Stefan Diggs ahead of him. I would take Devontae Adams ahead of him. I would take Aaron Jones ahead of him. Like, I think he has the possibility of being very good, right? But what is going to hurt him is that Naeem Hines is still going to be the pass catching running back. That's not going away. 
Jonathan Taylor now has a healthy Marlon Mack back, which I think is going to eat into his workload a little bit. And I just don't think he's going to get the amount of targets as he got last year. So I think he's going to be the predominant run runner on this team. And I say he probably gets 65% of the carries. But the passing game goes basically almost goes away completely. And he's going to be sharing touches because Naeem Hines is a capable running back. They're going to give him some touches. Marlon Mack, if he's healthy, he's going to get some touches. So unless he scores 12 to 14 touchdowns, he's not – I just don't see how he's worth the eighth overall pick. Where do you have Nick Chubb at? I have Nick Chubb ahead of him. I have Nick Chubb at probably – probably actually I have Nick Chubb at eight because I would take Travis Kelsey at seven. They have Nick Chubb at eight on, on – uh, on the calculator and i would take travis kelsey like as soon as saquon goes i'm taking travis kelsey like that's me personally you know what i mean as as soon as those top six running backs go i want travis kelsey like that's that's just the way i feel um and then after that i'd probably take austin eckler and then i'm actually the more i look at austin eckler like and we'll get to it when we get to the Chargers, but I just feel like Austin Eckler could have a really big season. If he plays all 17 games, he could have a really big season. Like he's yeah, he could catch a lot of balls and he could, you know, be the predominant runner on the team. If he stays out, he's got a lot of upside. Uh Aaron Jones, I'm banking on Aaron Rodgers coming back cuz I just don't think he has the leverage to leave. Did you hear the news that came out the that uh, came out no, that he that he said about not taking the contract or whatever. They said that they're expecting him. Many people, because if you look on the betting sites, you cannot bet on the Green Bay Packers lines right now. Really? And it's because many of the sports books believe that he will retire in, in within the next week. What? I just came down on Sleeper about an hour ago. Oh, I missed it. I didn't see that. Yeah. They said a lot of the sports books, you cannot bet on the Packers win totals. And the reason why is because they're expecting in the next week that Aaron Rodgers will retire. What? (laughs) Yo, if that happens, that's crazy. But still. Okay, so I might. mm, Man, that's crazy. All right, so, so Adams and Jones might fall back. Yeah, a little that bit. might they might fall back a little bit, but still, I don't have him as a first because even then, I still don't have him as a first rounder. Because, like I said, Austin Eckler moves up, Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs, I take ahead of him. I actually still would take Devontae Adams ahead of him because I, even if Love is the quarterback, I still think Devontae Adams so, has ten touchdown pops. So you don't have Chubb as a first round pick then either. I probably have Chubb at twelve because I would take. All right, so if we're looking at it. I would take – so at seven, I would take Kelsey. I'd move Tyreek Hill up – no, to Austin Eckler to nine. So that's – there. let me see here. All right, so that's seven, eight, nine. At ten, I would take Tyreek Hill. I would take Stefan Diggs at 11. I would take Nick Chubb at 12. And then with the news with Aaron Rodgers, I would drop Aaron Jones out of there and I probably put Jonathan Taylor there. So I would take him ahead of Oh man, how do I see that's that's the problem cuz Devontae Adams is still there. I probably if the, if if there is no no Aaron, you know, Rodgers, then I probably move both those guys back. So I probably take Jonathan Taylor at 13 and then continue with those other two guys. See, the reason I asked about Chubb, though, is because I just see Taylor and Chubb seasons as pretty – it could be very identical. You know, um, both are not really going to be heavily used in the past game, but they both will get their fair share. I mean, you look at, you know, Jonathan Taylor had 36 catches last year. It's not like he wasn't catching the ball at all. And We mm-hmm. talked about Chubb and what he could do in the past game. It's probably – it's actually probably a little bit less, but – Last year, combined with Jordan Wilkins and Naeem Hines, they had 173 carries. I don't think Naeem Hines is going to carry the ball 89 times again with Marlon Mack there, healthy Marlon Mack. If I was was to be honest, I would say we'd probably be looking at, if you were going to divide those carries amongst maybe 
Mac gets 110 and Heinz gets about 60 to 70. And if that's the case, you're basically looking at the same the same workload for Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I don't know how many carries you think Mac is going to take away from Taylor, but if Taylor's going to be getting, you know, 240 carries, he got 232 last year, but if you remember, his first, he had a few weeks. We had one week where he did not play. He was he was hurt. Then he had two weeks where he had six and seven back to back, and then his first week he only had nine. I don't think we're getting that total. Frank Reich basically came out and said he's the lead back. So I could see him being in the 250 range with getting 30 catches. You're basically talking about 280 touches. And I don't think that's any different than what you're going to be getting from Nick Chubb. And, you know, you have Nick Chubb, you him and Nick Chubb back to back. So I, you know, I don't think there's any, you know, many people have Nick Chubb a little bit higher, but I think that's also why a lot of people have Jonathan Taylor higher than what you have him, which is why I think he could be a very solid first round pick. I think he's going to touch the ball anywhere between 275 and 300 times. And you get a guy like that on this team that I think is going to be pretty good and he's going to score a ton. He only scored nine touchdowns last year, or I'm sorry, 11 touchdowns last year. Um, rushing the football, he had 12 total. I think he can get 15 touchdowns. I don't think that's crazy. So uh, I just I think there, that as good as he was last year, he finishes the RB seven. I and maybe even higher because I always do week week 16, and you've been you've been going by 17 this year, and I know his week 17 was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, he was number six. He was number six running back last year in PPR. Yeah, and well, I'm only doing week I 17 because you know what I mean, like yeah. it's well 17 week seasons now, True. so I just yeah, added those extra games. But I mean, he was like I said, he was he running back six through last year in in 17 game in weeks, and I just think that that was based off production that could potentially rise this year with you know him getting a little bit more of the work in certain games. I don't think that like the one game they basically went straight the I think he fumbled and they went straight to Jordan Wilkins and gave Wilkins like 20 carries in that game. I don't think I don't think that's going to happen as much this year. I think you're going to see a lot more of Jonathan Taylor out there and if he touches the ball last year he touched the ball 268 times and you're talking about him touching the ball 280 to 300. I I don't see any reason why he can't finish as a as a top 7 running back. No, I see what you're saying. I like my and this is my thing. Like Running back score in, in general last year was down, right? Like, you had the big three. You had Kamara, Cook, and Henry, right? And then after that, it was... Dave yeah, McCaffrey, yeah, McCaffrey and Saquon are yep. going to be in there. Exactly. They're going to be filtered. In. I mean, those but. guys are going to get healthy. They're going to be playing. You know what I mean? Aaron Jones missed two games last year. David Montgomery missed a game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor missed a game. James Robinson is the next guy. Josh Jacobs, Ezekiel Elliott is going to score more points this year. Kareem Hunt is the number 10 uh, running back on the season, which is out, outrageous. That's not happen. Yeah, that don't even make no sense. Um, yeah, I just feel like Mike running back Davis scoring. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Mike Davis, uh, Antonio Gibson, Melvin Gordon, Naeem Hines. Like, Naeem Hines scored the 15th most fantasy points last year for, for running backs. Like, and that's what I'm saying. Like, that, that will not happen. And yeah. the fact that that won't happen probably helps Jonathan Taylor out because I don't think, you know, I do think Naeem Hines is obviously going to be their passing down back, but he carried the ball way too much last year for me to think he's going to come back out and, you know, touch the ball as much, especially if Marlon Mack's healthy. Uh, was it an ACL or Achilles for Marlon Mack? It was uh, an Achilles. ACL. Yeah, it was, it was Achilles. Achilles? Mm-hmm. Oh, see, Achilles. and that, that, that just, to me, that even makes it more, more, that's more good news for 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 Taylor because Achilles injuries generally take a little longer than a year, uh, you know, for for guys to get back right. So even if Mac is good good this year, I don't think he'll be straight with it, you know, with with an, coming back from the Achilles. I think he'll need an extra year. So I just think Taylor's due for a big year. There's a reason they drafted him in the second round, and you know, he proved last year that he's a monster. And I don't I don't see that changing. Yep. All right, so let's go All to Naeem right. Hines. <laughs> Naeem Hines. So Naeem Hines, he's actually being drafted in the tenth round, forty-sixth running back taken. So all that I said about him not being used as much, he's still a good value in the tenth <laughs> round. Right? I love like, Naeem Hines. I take him. I mean, I take as, him as a lot of mock drafts. A tenth round pick is like, yo, this guy's like. 
he took, like I said, he, he ran the ball 189 times. Maybe he gets 60 or 70 this year. You know, um, he caught a ton of passes last year. I'll have the number, the exact number. 63 passes out of like, 76 targets. Like he's the one thing that does hurt him is Carson Wentz does not check down the running backs as much as Philip Rivers did. Carson Wentz is going to be more of a slinger, but still, I mean, you're getting this guy in the 10th. He's the 46th running back being off the board. And he just was the 15th running back overall last year. So, you know, definitely worth the, worth the value at, at that spot. Yep. And that's the other thing, like with Frank Wright, Sorry, there's a bug that's bothering the shit out of me. But anyway, with, <laughs> with Frank Reich being the quarterback, I mean, the, the coach there uh, for the team, you know, that Philly season, you know, he was throwing the ball to the running backs. Like, yep. I, I think this offense is going to be very similar to the one last year. Uh, obviously, I don't think they throw as much to the running back because Phillip Rivers a check down Charlie. But I do think mm-hmm. they make it a very big point of, you know, get the ball out of your hands quick. You know, get a nice rhythm going in the early game, the same way they did last year. If you watched the Colts play last year, that's that's what they did. They they played a lot of uh, you know, of of horizontal football, trying to get the ball out of Philip Rivers' hands. They ran the ball. They tried to like get you know get the ball out of his hands quickly while you know also doing play action stuff later on in the game. You know, it. I think that's that's what they're gonna do with with Carson. And if that if that's the case, then I think Naeem Hines could be very used in this offense. I think he could see. If not the exact same amount of targets that he saw last year in 70, you know, what is I say? 76, 76. Yeah, I mean, 76 targets. You know, I think he gets up to at least 76 targets, maybe 80 or more, because I just feel like he is going to be the more relied on receiving back on the team. And like Kev said, you're getting him in the 10th round. So, you know, uh, it's a value of, of a player that, you know, scored the 15th most fantasy points last year. I don't think he's, his numbers go down in the passing game. Maybe his maybe his rushing numbers go down. Like Kev said, he had 89 uh, carries. You know, he had a couple of 12 and 10 carry games. Maybe they'll stay. You know, maybe those games are eight and six carry games. You know what I mean? More often than not. So maybe he gets over to, like Kev said, around the 70 carry range, and you know his targets go up just a little bit. I think this year. So, you know, uh, I still like him to be a top. You know. 30 running back mm-hmm. uh, and in PPR I, for sure. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was in the top 24 at bottom end of the top 24. Yep. Marlon Mack is also being drafted around 13, 55th running back overall, 153rd player. Uh, any interest in Mack or, you know, I, just, I just don't see how he gets the volume unless Jonathan Taylor yep. gets hurt and Mack yep. shows that he is completely healthy. been back from that Achilles there. Uh, I just don't see how he gets the volume to be viable. I, I and I in our projections I have him for a twenty five percent carry share, so you know, and that's I think in the little bit of a high range because I think he's probably going to be closer to twenty three, twenty two, you know, around that number. So you know, I could see him getting a hundred carries on the season, maybe a little bit more, uh, and maybe a little bit less. So you know, not a guy that I'm drafting because to be a hundred carry back and not really utilized in the passing game all that much uh, you have to have like a an outrageously high uh touchdown percentage <laughs> you don't get in that yeah. few of, of carry you literally have to get a, every like seven eight touches you need to be scoring touchdowns to even be considered to be drafted in my opinion i agree all right so moving on to the wide receivers uh we'll start it off with michael Pittman, round eight pick 10 37th wide receiver 96th overall um, Pittman's not going to be a guy I'm going to wind up with a lot. And you probably know why I, I don't think Pittman is the guy that's going to be the, I don't want to say focal point of the offense or fo- main receipt. Like I love Paris Campbell and you love Paris Campbell. I know you do as well, but if you looked at, if you watched the beginning of last year, like it was one game. Paris Campbell just looks so good, man. They were running a lot of drag routes, running him across the field. He's so fast. They're getting him open, getting him in space, getting him the ball. I just and reports came out earlier that many people think Michael Pittman's going to be the guy, but Paris Campbell's the guy that looks like he's going to have a breakout year. If you remember Keenan Allen, you know, with that Chargers team with Frank Reich and them, he was hurt a lot in the beginning of his career, and then he just caught on. 
I could see the Paris Campbell going down the same path. They lined him up a lot in the slot, lined him up very like I just I, I see him being very similar in that aspect. And and to me, you know, he's the guy that I aim for. I mean, I've got I got him in both dynasty leagues that we did. Uh Steve was trying to trade me for him um recently. Um, you know, I, I basically snag him at the end of every redraft league that I do because it's a 14th round pick and I just love Paris Campbell. So that's probably why I won't wind up with Pittman a lot because I just think Pittman's being overdrafted. He wasn't, he didn't do anything to be worthy of, to me. Like he should be a double digit round pick. He didn't do anything worthy of enough last year to say, all right, I should be drafted as a wide receiver three. It's that playoff game. It's the playoff game yep. against the bills. You know what I mean, he had that hundred yard game and I think uh-huh. he scored in that game. Uh, but I think what do you have? Like, eight targets, eight catches, and like a, over 100 yards or something like that in the game. And, and that's what people remember. I mean, they remember the last, you know, the last hoorah. Yep. Um, you know, guys who finish off the season strong normally get ranked higher in fantasy football. You know what I mean? Like, it's just the way it is. What have um, you done for me lately? Yeah, what have you done for me lately? So, you know, I, I like Michael Pittman's game because of his size. Um, I think he – underused that size last year I, you know i mean like he doesn't really play bully ball a lot of his big games came well really his one big game came from you know crossers over the middle that he caught and took to the house you know i mean a little bit faster than i think people expect especially being as big as he is um but yeah i like and people just completely write off basically everybody else on the team except michael tom i mean michael Pittman, because you know if you look at where where uh T.Y. Hilton is going. He's going around 11 pick 10. I'd rather have T.Y. Hilton than, than, you know, than Michael Pittman. Um, you know, and then Paris Campbell. Kev just said it. I love Paris Campbell. Like, I am – I love Paris Campbell. I'm just going to say that. Like, I, I just think this dude is super dynamic with the ball in his hands. If you watch that first week against the Jaguars – I mean, yeah, against the Jaguars, he looked awesome. He was catching the ball all over the field. You know what I mean? He was getting sideline toe tappers. He was getting crossers over the middle. I mean, like, this dude was looking crazy. And all offseason last year, me and Kev were telling you about Pittman because, you know, we kept hearing in camp, oh, he looks better every game, every practice. He's moving around well. He's Phillip Rivers' favorite target in practice and blah, blah, blah. We just kept hearing how great he was and all that stuff. And we were like, dude, Paris Campbell's a sleeper. People are not drafting. Like, he's going late last year. I, th- I want to say he was like a 12th or 13th round pick last year. We were like, mm-hmm. dude, like, take this dude higher because he's going to be good. And then that first week he showed he was going to be good. And then the next week he gets hurt. So, yep. you know, and that sucks, but it happens. So I'm going to go with the guy that I think is the most talented player on the team. And I think that's Paris Campbell. And I think the second most talented player on the team is T.Y. Hilton. So, yep. You know, for me, those two guys going where they're going, I'd much rather have them than, than, you know, going with Michael Pittman over guys like Tyler Boyd or Antonio Brown or, you know, other like Will Fuller, LaVisca Chanel. He's going before all those guys, Brandon Cooks. Like, there's no way I'm drafting Pittman over any five of those guys. I, like Tyler Boyd, Antonio Brown, Will Fuller, LaVisca Chanel, Brandon Cooks. I'd way much rather have those guys than Michael Pittman. So you ain't never going to convince me to take Michael Pittman over any of those guys. Oh, really over any of the running backs either. Nah, J.D. McKissock, I'm not, I'm not down with that. But, but, uh, Gus Edwards, you're kidding me. Gus Edwards or Michael Pittman. Is that even a question? I would much rather have Gus Edwards. Um, you know, some people are going to be higher on Pittman than we are and I get it. You know, he's the big fast guy and you want him to be very good, but, you know, I'm going to go with what my eyeballs tell me, and my eyeballs tell me he wasn't very good last year. He was good against the Bills, and he was good in one other game against – I can't even remember who the hell it was uh, – where he had that, you know, 100-plus yard game, and, and I think he had two touchdowns in that game. So, you know, I, I don't see what everybody else sees. Yep, I'm with you. I mean, uh, yeah, so looking at his game log, um, he had a game against Tennessee where he was 7 for 101, um, and that was it. Outside of that, he didn't. His highest game was 66 yards. Um, you know, he had five catches for 46 in one game. So, five catches was his total, his highest total. Like, 
And this offense spreads the ball around a lot. They're not going to focus on one guy. And that's another reason why I'd much rather have the value of Paris Campbell at the, in the in the 14th round because if this team is spreading the ball around and everybody's just getting four and five targets and blah, 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 like I'd rather have the guy in the 14th round that's getting the five targets as opposed to the guy in the eighth round getting the five targets. So, yep, I agree. All right. And moving on to the tight end position, Jack Doyle and Moali Cox. A lot of people higher high on Moali Cox is thinking that he's going to have a breakout. I just think that I think it's kind of hard, you know, with with him and Doyle being there. I mean, if Doyle's healthy, and and that has been a struggle for Jack Doyle in his career, but if Doyle's healthy, I don't think there's any way Moali Cox can be like a consistent fantasy option. And I could be wrong about that. Trey Burton was here and there last year, but he wasn't consistent enough to be like, Oh, I'm going to start Trey Burton, you know? Um, So to me, you know, uh, I don't want either one of these guys. I'm probably going to wind up with a much better tight end on my team, but Moali Cox is a guy that, that I know I've heard on a few different podcasts that, that, you know, could possibly be a a tight end to watch out for. Yeah. Moali Cox. I mean, to me, I think he's getting the hype because of Carson Wentz and how great Carson Wentz has been for tight, you know, basically tight, tight end position. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean, he's been really good for, you know, Zach Ertz and he's been really good for Dallas Goddard. You know, there was a year where both those guys were top 12 guys. So, yep. you know, I feel like that's where he's getting a little bit more of the bump. But what people fail to realize is Carson Wentz never really had two or three wide receivers that he could throw to and be, you know, good wide receivers. He basically had – Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Hurts that that year they won the Super Bowl that was basically their... yeah Tory Smith yeah Tory Smith and Tory Smith was, eh, he was at the okay. end of his career yeah, yeah he was at the end of his career I mean he got he got a couple long bumps, Nelson but... Nelson Aguilar actually had a great year yeah in, uh... Nelson Aguilar did have a good year but you know I I see it be more being a situation where the wide receivers shine a little bit more I could see Mo Ali Cox being a little something if if they decide that he's going to be the tight end to go to. But if it's going to be both these guys running pass routes, you know Jack Doyle. I know Jack Doyle is a better blocker than Mo Ali Cox, so maybe they use him more in the in the you know uh, blocking game, blocking scheme. Uh, but to me, they have three good wide receivers on this team, and if you want to spread a team out, that's probably the way they're going to attack teams, especially because they have such a dominant offensive line and a good running game. I think they want to spread teams out just to be able to use that running game, use the play action passing and do things like that. So, you know, I could see a situation where, you know, my alley Cax does have a good season, but I could also see a situation where he's in there as a blocker a whole lot more to open up, you know, running game situations and, and helping out with the, you know, play action passing. Yep. All right. So you want to get into the, uh, the defense and offensive line. This is going to be a little bit different than Houston. <laughs> oh, a lot different. This is a this is like this is night the best and day. offensive line in football. Yeah, definitely one of the best offensive lines in football. Um, you know, let's talk about the defense real quick. So, DeForest Buckner is just like one of my favorite defensive linemen, like in the NFL right now. I love watching him play. He is so dominant on the inside. The the 49ers fucked up. <laughs> Like, <laughs> they fucked up. They should have just kept him. They should have just gave my man his money. And even it was funny because I was watching, uh, I was watching uh, Nick Bosa talk about DeForest Buckner, and he was, and he even said it. Like he didn't say it in those words, but he was basically like, you know, when Buck left, we, were, you know, it devastated our defense. We were just, you know, we were we were upset about it. Like he was, he was like the heart and soul of our defense, and they just let him go. Like so, mm-hmm. you know, we were upset about it. So. DeForest Buckner's awesome. If you just if you want to watch fun tape, watch DeForest Buckner play and play defensive line because he is serious. Um, you know, so the defensive line just just him being there. I, I mean, and then Cootie Pay, I think he's going to bring a, a nice little pass rush next to Buckner on the outside. I mean, you got Rocky Yassin, who I've told you guys a million times. I think he is Drake Garbo. I thought that coming out of college he was not very good, but you know, Xavier Rhodes revitalized his career last year. Uh, he looked like a really good corner, and they got the good back end. I mean, with Darius Leonard, Franklin, um, you know, Wills, they got a really good uh, secondary other than Rocky Asin. And if he, you know, he's still a young player, so I'm not going to say he can't be nothing because he's only been in the league two years. But if he can figure it out and become some, you know, 
some semblance of the guy that they drafted or a guy that they wanted to draft, this could be a very good defense. So it is a difference that I probably take, you know, in the later end of the of the draft. So I mean, if I get down to like eight, nine, ten, I mean, they're still there. I would I would consider back the, into the defensive defense ones. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the offensive line is just it's silly. I mean, especially I was worried when they lost. Oh man, what is his name? Um, it's gonna bother me. The dude who retired. I can't think of his name right now. But they lost an offense. Their left tackle from Anthony Costanzo. Costanzo. Yeah, yeah. You know, he was their offensive tackle for a long time, ten plus years. Really good player. They lost him. I was worried what they were gonna do. And what they do? They got Eric Fisher, who is another very good. Uh, left tackle. I know he's coming off an Im- of an injury last year, but you know all indications, all indications would say that he is going to be healthy, and that he you know will play, you know this year. Nelson, best guard in football. Period. Yeah, and then you got Braden Smith on the other side, who's awesome. I mean, he's just he's another one of those top fifteen tackles in football. Mark Lewinsky, uh, he played really, really good last year. One of the best, you know, guards in football. This team, this offensive line is awesome, you know, which is, you know, I, like I said, there's not really any weakness on the offensive line, which is the main thing when you go with offensive linemen. You know, as long as there's not one glaring weakness, normally they're going to be a pretty good line. So, you know, this is going to be a good team. I think if Carson Wentz is any semblance of the guy he was two years ago, I think this team's going to be very good. Yep, I agree. So we will be back on Monday night uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. That would be good. We get to talk a little Trevor Lawrence, talk a little Julio A.J. Brown. Oh, yeah. um, well, some new news items I think we might have, we, we may touch on later. Uh, the Michael Thompson, Thomas thing that came out today. Uh, could definitely be something we're going to have to touch on. We we kind of forgot about that. So I will touch on that on Monday. Um, so until then, peace out, guys. Peace.